And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. And today we'll be talking to one of the leading attorneys working for economic freedom in Illinois. I'm Whit Brisky. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ and its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration to religious freedom. You can find more about us by going to MalkBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on developments about faith and the law. Today, our guest is attorney Jeff Schwab of the Liberty Justice Center. Jeff was formerly an associate with Malkin Baker and we have worked together on a number of cases. He's a brother in Christ and a great attorney. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about uh, J- Liberty Justice Center and what you do there? Sure. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, the Liberty Justice Center is a not-for-profit organization, a, a, a not-for-profit law firm. We take cases uh, pro bono, uh, and we fight for things like economic liberty, uh, free speech, and uh, other constitutional rights in Illinois and sometimes outside of Illinois. All right. And why should a Christian care about economic liberty? Well, um, for Christians, I think the doctrine of, uh, of, of having a calling is very important. And um, economic liberty is about allowing people to pursue work that that they want to do. And when you have government regulations that interfere with people's ability to do the work that they want to do, uh, then, you know, that can really impact uh, people's ability to uh, pursue their calling. Okay. And uh, the recent Hobby Lobby case, uh, which the Supreme Court decided uh, last year, uh, was about protecting a business Owner and and business owners uh, economic liberty to purchase the kind of insurance they wanted to purchase and not cover things that they thought were immoral. Uh, but that was about primarily religious liberty, correct? Yeah, Hobby Lobby was about religious liberty, but it, it it's a good um, example of how government regulation into the economic liberty in in, in interfering with economic liberty. Uh, can also interfere with religious liberty. So, but for Obamacare's uh, requirement that all these organizations uh, have a specific kind of health insurance, that there would not have been a uh, religious liberty issue. Uh, a similar case, actually, uh, that the Supreme Court just denied uh, certiorari on was out of the state of Washington, where a, uh, a, a pharmacist, uh, a a um, pharmacy, actually a Christian-owned pharmacy, 
uh, did not want to provide certain abortifacient drugs to its customers, and under Washington law, it was required to do so, even though other, other organizations, other pharmacies, didn't have to provide uh, certain drugs for other secular reasons, like it was too much paperwork. That was an actual exception. Uh, and the Supreme Court denied cert, so now that pharmacy can, must either provide those drugs in violation of their religious faith, or they have to go out of business. So um, those are examples of cases of, of real-life situations where religious believers, because of um, burdensome government regulation, have to decide between their faith and their calling. Well, and the Hobby Lobby case was decided 5-4, uh, wasn't it, with um, uh, Justice Scalia's vote, of course, included in the majority. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So at this point, uh, if the Hobby Lobby case came back before the uh, Supreme Court now, it might tie 4-4. Right, in which case the Hobby Lobby pre- uh, precedent would stand. Uh, correct, but but uh, a new case divided 4-4 might go the other way if the lower court had decided to uh, to the contrary, right? Well, that's true. I, I guess if, if the lower court had ignored Hobby Lobby and the Supreme Court divides 4-4, then the lower court's uh, um, decision would stand in that specific case. And, and, and so in this uh, pharmacy case you're talking about from uh, Washington, uh, many of the same issues came up, and this is, again, going to be um, perhaps a 4-4 split. Well, yeah, I, I don't. We didn't. Know, I don't think we knew what the um, the vote was, but the, the Supreme Court denied certiorari, so that case um, was decided by the Ninth Circuit. So, for purposes of any, um, basically for precedent value, any states in the Ninth Circuit, uh, which I think are in the in the West, would be California, Washington, Oregon, and maybe Hawaii. I forget what the other states are. Uh, but but basically, Western states um, would be subject to that precedent, and it's possible that, um, given the Supreme Court rejecting certiorari, that similar cases in other states, uh, appellate courts might come down the same way. I mean, in fact, you have um, the last eight years Obama appointing um, appellate court justices in, in the circuits, and so. I think almost all of the circuits, maybe with the exception of the Sixth Circuit, now have a majority of Democratic-appointed uh, judges. And so uh, the likelihood of these kinds of cases where they, they tend to be political, partisan uh, splits uh, would, would probably come down on the side, unfortunately, of, uh, against religious liberty. All right. And uh, so that, I guess that just goes to show how important the uh, protection or the, the choice of judges is. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. We're speaking with Jeff Schwab of the Liberty Justice Center. Uh, Jeff, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the cases you're working on. And uh, one of those okay. cases is the, the Netflix tax case. Can you tell me about that one? Sure. Um, last summer... Um, sort of unbeknownst to anybody, the, um, the city of Chicago uh, issued two rulings interpreting um, two existing taxes. One is 
a tax on amusements, and the other was a tax on, um, on like rentals. And what they did was they expanded those taxes to include, for, the per- for amusements, they expanded them for any kind of paid video, audio, and uh, gaming uh, services that are provided on the Internet. So those are things like Netflix, uh, Spotify, if you have a paid Spotify account, Pandora, I think Xbox Live would be an example. And then uh, with the cloud tax, that would be any kind of um, uh, rental of of a cloud. So all these businesses uh, that have cloud law firms, uh, uh, LexisNexis, for example, is on cloud, and, and lawyers uh, use that to to um, to look up cases and stuff. And uh, if you hire a lawyer, for example, uh, you might see a charge for uh, legal research. Now that's going to be taxed um, at a, a nine percent tax. So so if you're if you have a lawyer and they use um, Lexus, you're probably going to have to pay that n- extra 9% on whatever uh, bill that was. Uh, and, and this is affecting startup companies because uh, they use the cloud as well. Um, so those are two distinct taxes. Our, our case, um, and, and these things, uh, these things are, are getting national news because this is, I think, the first time any city or municipality has attempted to tax these Internet-based things. Um, our case is solely related to the amusement tax, and uh, the city expanded that tax to include these things. And um, it did so without any kind of uh, a vote by the city council. So our, our case challenges uh, that ex- extension of the amusement tax to Internet services. Okay. And uh, what's, what's the status of your case? Well, the city filed a motion to dismiss, which uh, we briefed and had oral argument that, uh, last month. And uh, the court is set to rule on that motion this month, in fact, on the 21st of this month, so next week, uh, or two weeks, I'm sorry. And, um, and we'll find out whether we can move forward with discovery and ultimately a motion for summary judgment, or whether we'll have to, uh, uh, the case will be dismissed and we'd have to appeal to an appellate court. Well, what's wrong with uh, the, um, the imposition of this tax? I mean, other than that it costs money. Well, yeah, well, obviously uh, that's a problem. But uh, the first thing wrong with it is that the city just doesn't have the power to do it. Um, the, the one thing that, um, if you think about your typical amusement tax, so say you want to go to, uh, to see the Cubs at Wrigley Field. So you, you buy tickets, and that uh, Wrigley Field's in Chicago, so you pay a 9% amusement tax on the, the cost of those tickets. And it doesn't matter where you live. If you live in Chicago and you buy the tickets, if you live outside of Chicago, everybody has to pay the tax because... Jeff, Jeff we're going to have to come back and pick this up after the mid-break. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about the Netflix tax and the fight against it. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Malk and Baker, and we're talking with Jeff Schwab, staff attorney for the Liberty Justice Center, and we're discussing his work to expand economic liberty in Illinois. And Jeff was telling us what's wrong with the so-called Netflix tax in, uh, in the city of Chicago. Yeah, so the Netflix tax, basically, uh, it exceeds the city's authority because what they're doing is they're taxing anybody with a, an a address in the city of Chicago, a billing address in the city of Chicago, regardless of where they use uh, Netflix. So unlike a baseball game uh, where in Chicago where they're, we're taxing uh, everybody that comes to Chicago to watch a baseball game, they're, in a sense, taxing people that live in Chicago going to a baseball game in St. Louis. Uh, so that's the first argument. There's a couple more arguments based on uh, discrimination against uh, these kind of services versus in-person services. And then the last argument is that it violates the U.S. Uh, Constitution's Commerce Clause because it discriminates against interstate commerce. Okay. Uh, and these are the kinds of arguments that you generally use in, um, in protecting uh, re- economic liberty. Is that right? Right. Um, basically, Illinois, the Illinois Constitution, um, the federal Constitution, and then even state statutes, some uh, do actually protect against, uh, against government abuses. Now, this Internet tax, how are they going to collect it? I mean, how do they know that I've got a Netflix account? So they require Netflix to collect it on your behalf, even though the tax is supposed to be against you. Um, and so Netflix has to take has to tax these things. So part of the problem with that is Netflix has has no nexus with the city of Chicago. I mean, Netflix is not located in the city of Chicago, but in essence, they're making requirements of companies that the only uh, nexus that they have is that some of their customers actually live in the city. All right, so that's uh, that's really the city reaching out across state lines and and uh, forcing Netflix to collect the tax. Right, and part of the problem with that is the more of, uh, of these companies that exist and all over the world, because there's no reason why I can't do business with a company, say, in Europe or something like that, because if they're providing me something on the Internet, is that the city of Chicago is going to be attempting to tax companies all over the world, which uh, is, is really unprecedented. So... If uh, there were a Netflix located, let's say, in, um, in the Philippines, uh, and uh, they were providing the same service as Netflix does from the United States, uh, the Philippines, the customers of the Philippines company might escape the tax. Is that right? Well, they probably could, because uh, what would the city of Chicago do? They couldn't come after them. Uh, they're not going to be in, in Chicago, but, but technically uh, they'd be required to pay that. So, in effect, that gives an advantage to uh, the people outside the United States. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you also get involved in uh, cases for um, uh, protecting individual workers from uh, unions and having to be forced to join or pay unions. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, one of them is the uh, Village of Lincolnshire case, which I thought was kind of interesting because it you're representing the government in that case, right? Right, yeah. Lincolnshire is unusual because it's the only case in which we represent the government. Uh, Lincolnshire passed a so-called right-to-work 
uh, Act last year, which allows workers in a union to opt out of uh, a union and still keep their jobs. And that's that's like right-to-work laws that are present in many of the states, I think 25 or 26 states now in the United States, but Illinois does not have a statewide right-to-work law. That's right. Illinois, uh, unlike many of its neighbors, including Indiana and Michigan, doesn't have a right-to-work law, and uh, you're seeing a lot of um, industries move from Illinois to, the, to those states with right-to-work laws. And so uh, in, in response to that, Lincolnshire is attempting to pass its own right-to-work law so that uh, it can encourage, and, uh, encourage businesses to stay or come to Lincolnshire. And in the absence of a right-to-work law, you as a, uh, a worker, even if you don't like the union, don't like unions in general, can be forced to join the union pay dues to the union and maybe even support their, uh, their efforts uh, in political and other realms which you disagree with. Right. That's exactly the argument. Uh, if uh, if you're, you've been paying attention to the political season you, uh, uh, that, that we're in, unions are extremely vocal in politics. And if you're forced to pay a union and you don't agree with the, their uh, their vision and their politics, then your money is essentially being forced uh, to uh, pay for speech that you disagree with. Okay. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malk and Baker. We're speaking with Jeff Schwab of the Liberty Justice Center. Uh, Jeff, uh, what if um, I or a business that I'm uh, part of uh, was confronted by a challenge to... Uh, our economic liberty. Uh, what should we do? Well, um, obviously, you should uh, try to find somebody like the Liberty Justice Center who um, could help you try to figure out what, um, if any, rights you have. Um, there's there are lots of issues in Illinois. Um, some some of these are uh, issues where. Uh, the government passes a regulation doesn't really understand what it's doing or what the effects are. Some are uh, a little bit more, um, you know, sinister in that they're maybe trying to protect uh, a, a specific industry or a specific set of businesses. Uh, and some are just pure overreach. Uh, and all these things affect people who are trying to uh, just earn an honest living in Illinois, and uh, you know, and uh, and have you know, Illinois Constitution does protect against uh, against some of these restrictions. Well, you, you guys are a nonprofit organization, so you provide your services for free. What about the guy who uh, doesn't have a lot of money and uh, and can't find a nonprofit organization? Is there a way that uh, private lawyers can recover fees in this? Kind of a situation. Well, if you, uh, yeah, there is. In fact, uh, the there's a, a statute in Illinois that provides that uh, that if you for fee shifting, if you win a uh, a case based on um, the Illinois Constitution, and if your case is based on an Illinois constitutional claim, um, then uh, then it's possible that if you win the case, that you could get fee shifting. So. That should encourage some private lawyers uh, who might be interested in this stuff 
to take your case and uh, on a on a agreement to uh, try to collect fees if they win. Well, I know that Malkin Baker does a few of these, and uh, uh, we always like the the good cases uh, where we think we can make some progress for religious liberty. So that's certainly an opportunity. And can you tell me just a little bit in a minute or two about the process uh, that you would follow if you decided to take a case uh, for economic liberty? Um, well, we, you know, if, if before we decided, we would obviously talk to whoever uh, was having a problem and uh, and you know make sure that uh, we had a good legal uh, case, and uh, and then we would figure out what court we needed to file in, and uh, we would talk about the facts, and we would talk about what our legal arguments are. We'd file a complaint, and then uh, usually with uh, those complaints, we'd, we'd do uh, a press release and sometimes a press conference, because just as important as uh, fighting in, in the court is uh, fighting in the court of uh, public opinion. So, um, you know, getting these things out there to for people to know what's going on, uh, and sometimes that actually affects uh, the way that these cases are resolved uh, with a settlement. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, sometimes uh, you may be a little afraid to go out there and be, uh, you know, too much out, out front in terms of uh, publicity and being a plaintiff in a lawsuit. Uh, do you try to settle these before they get filed by, you know, maybe writing a letter or something to the defendant? Yeah, um, to the extent that we can, um, and it makes sense, uh, we would do that. Uh, it, it depends on, on, on the case because sometimes um, it's either clear that, uh, that the client has been working to try to resolve this with, uh, with the village or city or state for, to no effect, and, uh, and sometimes uh, it, uh, you know, maybe a, a letter from a lawyer could push that in the direction of, of settlement. Good, but, good. Jeff, yeah. um, I want to thank you for coming in today. And uh, how can people uh, keep up with you in the Liberty Justice Center or contact you if they need you? Well, um, our website is libertyjusticecenter.org, and you can reach me at jschwab at libertyjusticecenter.org. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey M. Schwab. That's great. Okay, if you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at uh, Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Again, 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malkin Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals and their legal needs. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. God bless you and have a wonderful Saturday. I'm Whit Brisky, a partner in the firm. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.